Hello, everyone, and welcome to All Things Episcopal, where we talk about everything and anything related to the Episcopal Church. This podcast was designed with young people in mind, so ages specifically 18 to 39. And it's a place to learn more about the Christian faith, um, specifically through the Episcopal lens. With this podcast in particular, we're going to offer a variety of ways to learn about the Episcopal Church. Some of these learning opportunities will come through conversations and interviews, sermons, and the reading of the daily office. We'll talk a little bit about that. We also want you to know that while we love our clergy, we also cherish the ministry of the laity. The laity, as our Book of Common Prayer says, is to represent Christ and His Church, to bear witness to Him wherever they are, and according to the gifts given to them, to carry on Christ's work of reconciliation in the world, and to take their place in the life, worship, and governance of the Church which is why we have laity represented in the planning and production of this podcast, along with clergy. We also deeply care about this podcast being a representation of the whole body of Christ, which means you're going to hear from a diverse group of voices. So in traditional Episcopal greeting fashion, the Lord be with you. And also with you. And also with you. Hey, friends. Thanks for tuning in again to All Things Episcopal. We're trying something a little different today with our episode. We are actually going to have the first portion of the episode be a previously recorded uh, sermon, and we're going to have myself and Danny kind of do a talk back since we were the preachers for that sermon. The sermon uh, was for Youth Sunday which was May 7th, uh, 2023. And it also happened to fall on the fifth Sunday of Easter, year A, which included the gospel reading, John 14, uh, 1 through 11. And we're going to talk about what the sermon process or sermon writing process was like. And what we felt the Holy Spirit was encouraging us to write and why, and um, the types of practices that we utilized while going through the sermon writing process, and some other things. So we hope you enjoy this, and uh, yeah, enjoy the conversation. Good morning, friends. What a joy it is to worship the living God with you today and have our young people lead us in service and worship. For those of you that do not know me, my name is Claire Stern Burbano, and I have the privilege of walking alongside the youth, college students, and young adults here at Grace and Holy Trinity as their minister. One of the things I love most about my job and calling is to listen to the questions that are arising in our young people's inquiring and discerning hearts. Perhaps that is because I, too, am a person that is constantly in wonder about God and God's creation. A large part of that wondering for me has been how to explain today's gospel passage, specifically verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
How does someone communicate and teach this verse in a healthy, loving, and capital T, truthful way? How does someone explain this verse to someone who is not Christian? How does someone explain this to someone who is not religious? How does someone from the Christian faith who loves the triune God with all their heart, soul, and might explain this verse to someone who has been harmed by the church for the interpretation and the way it's been taught throughout the ages? I have wrestled with these questions in relation to this verse a great deal over the years and definitely over the last 10 years working alongside youth. I will be honest with you all. When I found out what today's gospel reading was, I was not exactly jumping for joy. (laughs) So in my preparation for this sermon, one question kept coming up for me. What is the most loving interpretation of this scripture that can be offered? Thanks be to God for the theologians within our denomination that serve as diocesan, ecumenical, and interreligious officers that have come up with some guidelines to better explain our theology as Episcopalians around John 14, 6. They offer this guiding point. Our expectation is that we shall discover new insights through interreligious relationships, and it rests upon our embrace of Jesus as the way and the truth and the life, coupled with our commitment to respecting the dignity of every human being. In mutual encounters, shared devotional, ethical, and prophetic witness, we dare to hope that God will reveal new and enriching glimpses of a reconciled humanity, as well as new insights into how God works in the world through those who practice other traditions. The radically incarnational teaching of the Episcopal Church conveys our confidence in the coming of God in Christ. The transformation of all creation has already been set in motion, and that God, who has been very generous in creation, is no less generous in salvation. God's gracious love is not limited to the Christian community. So what does this all mean? To paraphrase what Father Darrell said at least 38 different times last week, love. I actually did count the amount of times that Father Darrell said the word love last week in his sermon. (laughs) Taking into account our theology as Episcopalians and love for the way of love. Friends, I offer you this. Follow the way of Jesus' life. Live a life guided by love, humbleness, justice, faithfulness, and devotion to God, our holy parent. To speak of the truth of God's devotion to us and all of creation, especially when God offered her only child up and he was not accepted. And yet, even after her child had been betrayed, He said, forgive them for they do not know what they do. To praise and give thanks for the beautiful works that God has done and continues to do while also inviting us into that redemptive mission for all of creation to flourish. By following these things, your life, my life will be filled with an everlasting love that no one can take away. 
This is a love that was made known to you and to me the day Jesus Christ died on the cross. God so loved you and me and us that grace was unleashed in the world for all, regardless if you are Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Jewish, Zoroastrian, Buddhist, atheist, because Jesus came for all. We have been given a gift of provenient grace, a grace that precedes us and allows our minds to be illuminated by the Holy Spirit in order to receive God's full grace upon our choice to turn and say, I love you back. As a Christian and a child of an interfaith family, it gives me great peace knowing that God's grace is for all persons and not a select few. As an Episcopalian, it gives me even more conviction that this is the denomination that God has called me to be a part of, not because I fear for my godmother who is Hindu or my younger brothers who are atheist, but because we recognize that God is still God and there are many possibilities for God's work at hand. It is our job as followers of Christ to love God with as much strength and devotion as we can, to have lifelong inquiring and discerning hearts, to strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being, and to recognize that the Bible is so much bigger than our individual stories, and yet it is our story our story of reconciliation and the greatest love made known to creation and became known as the Messiah to those that heard and continue to hear his message of love. Our youth are walking the way of love in a very direct path in this season of life. Starting today, the youth ministry department is raising awareness about safe and proper gun storage so that all people, but especially young people, can live to their fullest potential and flourish with abundance of life. The Be Smart program's mission is to promote responsible gun ownership in order to reduce child gun deaths. Whether you are a gun owner or you know someone who owns a gun, there is a role for everyone in the conversation around secure gun storage. To support this effort, we are inviting the congregation to purchase an orange ribbon or a Be Smart laptop sticker to raise awareness and fund the Be Smart program. You can learn more about the Be Smart program by visiting our table and founders during coffee hour. And you can also purchase your pen and laptop sticker during coffee hour as well. In addition to the youth walking the way of love, I can think of no one better to speak on hearing the prophetic message of love than Danny Valencia Montoya, our youth and college intern. She loves Jesus something fierce, (laughs) y'all, like I've never seen before. I have seen her be the hands and feet of Christ to our Grace and Holy Trinity Cathedral, but especially to our youth. And it brings me so much joy for her to share her witness to how the triune God is working in the world. Thank you, Claire, for such empowering and loving words. And thank you, everybody, that came today to support our youth while they step into the scary world of public speaking and leading. As Claire said earlier, my name is Danny. Uh, My personality in a nutshell would be a very loud and happy person. 
Uh, my most favorite thing in the world to talk to do is to talk to people and learn about their perspectives in life. So you bet I've had the time of my life getting to know the youth and seeing how God is working in their life and how that shapes their view in the world. They have taught me so much in the past five months, and they truly inspire me every day to dig deeper in my life and find ways on how to be more patient and kind to others. I have been a part of the Episcopal Church for just over two years, and I cannot thank all of you enough for making Grace and Holy Trinity Cathedral a home for me and anybody that walks through those doors. Honestly, before these past couple of years, I, like Claire, had such a hard time with the church as a whole because of the way certain scriptures were used to deny God's love to some of our siblings around the world. As some of you may know, I am a proud individual of the LGBTQIA plus community. And before I landed here at Grace and Holy Trinity, I unfortunately um, had so much shame to speak about being queer. I felt like somehow I disturbed Jesus less than everybody else because according to some, I was sinning and therefore I was denying Jesus into my life. This made wanting to find a parish to actually attend and worship God and the scariest thing I could think of conquering. Thankfully, though, through that journey, I learned that no matter how much or how many times anyone else tries to deny God's love to you or me, God had a hold of me and would always have a hold of you and never allow anybody to take that away from us. Over time, I learned that with God's grace, I would eventually find my way. And in today's psalm, we heard, In you, Lord, O Lord, have I taken refuge. Let me never, let me, let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Incline your ear to me. Make haste to deliver me. Be my strong rock, a castle to keep me safe. For you are my crag and my stronghold. For the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that they have secretly set for me. For you are my tower of strength. Into your hands I commend my spirit. For you have redeemed me, O Lord, O God of truth. As I explored the world without a strong and loving community, I clung to these words like my life depended on it. And honestly, sometimes it did. As we move forward in all stages of life, we tend to run into hard situations to test our ability to cope with life and at times challenge our faith. Sometimes that may come in the form of individuals telling us we are not good enough or ourselves allowing shame to guide our decisions in life and how we carry ourselves in it. I found that it is in this hard times it is difficult to think about who to trust, what to believe in even, and how we can love ourselves a little bit more. In those moments, I would like to encourage you all to take a deep breath, close your eyes for a moment. And let God be your refuge. Allow her to hold you and hold that promise of being the big and almighty God she has told you she is. And like a loved one, allow her to hold you. Let her remind you that you are her creation and that she is here to guide you and never lead you astray. In my heart, it was always so hard to believe that loving someone could be so wrong in the eyes of God. But slowly, I leaned into the love never fails mentality 
and asked God to guide me to a church where I could learn about love, learn from others about what that means in their life and in their own journey with God. And so she led me here. Honestly, every day I get to spend with these amazing youth, I get to witness firsthand what love is and how we can all learn to give more to the world. Even when the world feels like it's filled with more brokenness than beauty, these youth show up every week with big smiles, all of the energy in the world, and ready to learn and teach their peers. They teach me what true inclusivity is and what patience for others should look like even when we are frustrated and we have had a long week. They show me what God's grace looks like and how to be humble as an individual. As Claire mentioned earlier, they follow the way of Jesus' life, life filled with love, humbleness, and justice. I see this as Jesus walking out with us every day and reminding us he is always with us. I've gotten the chance to explore a lot of scripture with these amazing young minds, and they constantly remind me of how much we can learn if we simply listen to each other's needs, and if we are patient enough to put our own feelings aside for just one moment so we can help someone else feel cared for and honestly included. Then the world would honestly be so much better, right? I have learned so much from all of them, and I am so thankful that they allow us to be a part of their journey with Christ, and thankful that they remind us to spread God's love with no judgment in our hearts. So walk the way of love, for surely it will bring you new pathways to reconciliation, new pathways to for all to experience the truth of God's love for an imperfect people, the new pathway of all experiences, an abundance of life giving and affirming, grace, mercy, hope, and above all else, love. Amen. So Danny, this was a different uh, experience for you. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, can you tell us a little bit why it was a different experience for you? So I've never done anything close to preaching, well, except for the podcast, which was the first uh, adventure, adventure I had in that. Uh, but this time it was actually in front of people, not just in front of my dog. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was in front of a lot of people that I admire and appreciate um, and, um, it, it was, it was about a tough subject for me. Mm. Tell, tell us a little bit more about what made it a little more challenging, uh, for you, if you don't mind. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, the, the biggest part about it was that, first of all, um, I've been a part of the Episcopal Church just a little bit over two years. And prior to that, I have never been to uh, or a part of an affirming parish when it comes to me being part of the LGBTQI community. So talking about that in a sermon at a parish that loves me is even now, you know, I'm getting a little overwhelmed about it, but it's a good thing, you know, a good overwhelming feeling of, wow, I never thought I would see the day, yeah. you know, and, and to talk about it and hopefully get other people to to hear that 
and maybe open their arms to other individuals um, or just know that the arms of this parish and similar parishes are open for individuals like me. It's a big deal to me. It is a big deal. And it's a good day for the church when we get to hear voices such as yours in the church because we recognize that God is still at work and God does not limit God's beauty to just one type of person or a set of people, but that God's love is for all persons. So I know you have some questions for me. We're going to go back and forth in this uh, talkback situation. Well, and I also wanted to ask you, what was the sermon writing process for you like? I, too, also had a a bit of a challenge with it. Um, So for our listeners that have heard my voice before, um, they know that interfaith cooperation for me is extremely important. Um, My godmother is Hindu. My younger brothers are non-religious, specifically atheists. And um, my best friends growing up were Baha'i, Muslim, and Zoroastrian. And when I was about 12 years old, someone from the Christian community, a different denomination than the Episcopal Church, told me that I could not be Christian because my godmother was Hindu and my dad was vehemently non-religious and that I didn't know Christian values because I wasn't being raised by Christians. And specifically the verse, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, had been taught in such an exclusionary uh, way and had been interpreted in such an exclusionary way in uh, the community that I happen to float in. And I want to be clear, I'm, I'm not talking about the community of the Episcopal Church. I'm talking about friends of mine that were from different denominations mm-hmm. um, at school, in, in middle school specifically, and that it really stuck with me because— I didn't I didn't understand how two people from the same religion being Christianity could interpret our scriptures so radically different mm-hmm. on who who's got on who deserved God's love. Mm-hmm. And so the writing process for me was challenging, but I was reminded of a question that a professor of mine uh, would always include in his rubrics um, for our assignments, which was, does the interpretation that you are offering offer the least amount of harm or does it cause any harm? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of dug a little deeper into that and started asking, what is the most loving interpretation of John 14, 6 that is healthy whole and capital T truth to the doctrine of the Episcopal Church. And that's that's where it started for me. And it continued on through prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was challenging, but also healing mm-hmm. and enlightening all at the same time. 
That's beautiful. And I, I feel like that's really what you should take out of anything like this, you know? I know you had another question for me. Yeah. Um, what message did you feel the Holy Spirit was moving you to write and say to not only the congregation, but specifically to the youth on Youth Sunday? Um, well, I've heard that this happens a lot, but originally it was a completely different uh, startup. It was going to be a completely different sermon. Um, and as I prayed about it um, and, and really just, just kind of talked to God through it, asked him, uh, asked the Holy Spirit to just uh, help me, you know, guide me. Um, I realized that what I really wanted the message to be, especially for the youth, was first of all, always be open-minded to other people. To people's differences, you know, um, and uh, just because the rest of the world says that someone is wrong or that someone is um, a bad person, look in your heart, pray about it, talk to God, you know, and uh, he, they, God will always be there to to guide you, to love you, and to strengthen you, right? Um, and also, just to the congregation and in the youth, um, to always put love first love with no boundaries you know because you don't know who's coming to the table already feeling like they might not deserve to be there even though everybody deserves to be there no matter where you're coming from and at what time of your life you're coming to it mm -hmm. I love that you said you know everyone deserves to be at the table mm -hmm. um it reminds me of Matt Mars song bigger table mm. um because it, it's so true like each of us come to the table to receive the consecrated elements of bread and wine for various reasons mm -hmm. but yet we all still come because we're hungry mm -hmm. we're hungry for spiritual nourishment mm -hmm. uh, and and living water Absolutely. And no matter how many times anybody tells you otherwise, that, that is not with what Jesus would, you know, with the Holy Spirit, that's not what they're telling you. They're telling you that no matter what, no matter how many times the whole entire world tells you that you don't belong, you belong. Mm -hmm. You, you will always have the Holy Spirit with you. Yeah. Um, and I had another question for you, actually. Um, how does being a youth minister impact your view of love in the Episcopal Church? It has everything to do with it. You know, I, I just named something from, you know, my youth time, so to speak. Um, I don't want any youth walking out of this youth space um, that I happen to minister to and with walking out questioning if God's love is for them mm. um, or someone else. Um, I I love that we have this one line in our um, holy baptism liturgy, and it's, it's part of a prayer um, that says, have inquiring and discerning hearts. Um, so, to always have a certain portion of your spiritual life be questioning and 
and wondering about God and who God is in relationship to yourself as an individual, but also your neighbor who who is not like you, um, but perhaps you can have some some holy envy, as Barbara Brown Taylor hmm. often names, to have that kind of holy curiosity um, to your spiritual life and be drawn in a bit more and ask, why do I do these things or why do I not do these things? And that be a catalyst for learning more about what feels right to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of also goes into the previous episode of All Things Episcopal talking about personal and corporate piety. You know, not everyone is going to kneel while other people prefer to stand mm-hmm. during certain por- portions of um, the, the mass or the worship service. Um and why some people cross themselves versus why some people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about how you make sense of your own spiritual life. Mm-hmm. So coming full circle to your question, Danny, it has everything to do with making sure that these young people know that God's love is not limited to anyone or anything in creation. Because God is always at work, Mm -hmm. whether we recognize it or not. Well, I appreciate that because I, um, I feel like uh, we we hang out every week, guys. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We we do we do uh, youth uh, youth Sunday every every Sunday pretty much. And uh, through this past experience, I feel like that's something that Claire has helped me understand so well. And I just want to say, I appreciate that because it's obviously shaped uh, the way that I, I see my communication with the youth and just with anybody, you know, and emphasizing that you are love, no matter what, no matter where you've come from, uh, who, who, who you praise to, you know? Um, and uh, I just want to thank you for that. Oh, that means a lot to me. Thank you. Um, I have one final question for you, and this is more of the the practical end of the sermon writing process as well as the the delivering the preaching part of um, of the sermon. And it's what type of practices did you go through while preparing to write the sermon and delivering your portion of the sermon? <clears throat> so any time that I have to do, any kind of public speaking or um, just anything that will essentially impact someone else's life rather than mine, just mine. Um, I like to listen to a song called Give Me Your Eyes by Brandon Heath. Uh, It emphasizes everything that I hope um, God will help me understand, not just my stance on it, but help deliver a message that, that will help others, you know, uh, really into where they're at, meeting them where they're at, you know. Um, and, and not it being my words, but, but the Holy Spirit's words, right. And, and really, really praying that with my every being, you know, um, and so I, I do a lot of praying throughout my day, but this was, uh, I think prior to that, I just prayed for a solid couple of hours, um, just to just had a conversation with God. That's my favorite thing to do. Um, and then beforehand, just kind of talking to the youth. 
about how important that day was for for people, you know, and for them and, and what they wanted to get out of it. Um, <clears throat> and just acknowledging every individual in that room helped me just breathe. And also just obviously talking to Claire. Talking to Claire is always, is always great. Uh, makes me breathe easier. Um, and just understanding that that message that was going to be heard that day was not just for me. Like, yes, it was a huge moment in my life and it was going to impact my life for the rest of my life. Right. Um, but that message was not for me. It was not just for me. It was for everybody that could potentially ever listen to it. I love the intentionality that you took to the writing process and, and the delivery. Um, Cause I, I think that that is an important thing to acknowledge, especially when working with young people is the intentionality of one's spiritual life. Mm-hmm. It's not just writing something. Mm-hmm. It's allowing the breath of God to come to life mm-hmm. uh, in thought, word, and deed. Uh, it's It's one of the reasons why we cross our forehead, cross our lips, cross our hearts at the gospel, mm-hmm. um, is that we hope that the good news will pierce our minds, lips, and hearts to the fullest extent, and that it carries on through to the sermon. Um, so I, I love the intentionality that you you gave to the preparation and the delivery of, of your half of the sermon. It was very impactful for me as a listener. I appreciate that a lot, Claire. Like, you have no idea. Um, I had another question for you. I actually want to ask you as well, uh, what type of practices did you go through uh, while preparing for the sermon? And also, what kind of uh, message do you hope that people get out? To answer the first question, um, I felt like this sermon in particular, even though it was half of a sermon, since it was co-preached between the two of us, um, had been building in me for about 22 years. Mm. Um, And so there was a lot of wrestling that I had done, especially over the last 10 years, um, working with young people. And one of the unique things about doing interfaith cooperation is that it actually encouraged me to do some more research and reflection on what it means to me to live the way of love, to be a Christian. And because of that experience, my hermeneutics or lenses for interpreting scripture, so to speak, um, allowed me to see this text in a new light Mm. that I hadn't previously uh, allowed myself to wonder about because I was so concerned about it being unorthodox or not right. Um, But in actuality, it's exactly what the Episcopal Church stands on. Um, There's this beautiful document that um, the Episcopal uh, diocese ecumenical and interreligious officers have on interreligious guidelines uh, for theology. And one of them talks about salvation. And in that uh, guiding point, 
for talking about interreligious conversation, um, they mentioned John 14, 6, and how we as Christians do believe that John 14, 6 is meant to be coupled with the meaning of treating every human being Mm -hmm. with dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. They are not meant to be kept apart. Like you only respect the dignity and humanity of individuals in one section of your life and then believe that, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that only people who proclaim Jesus um, as Lord and Savior can get into heaven. It's meant to be both. We have to have both in order to witness the glory of God. And when I read that, it illuminated my heart and mind and soul to a completely new level. It was things that I knew in my heart mm-hmm. um, before, but that it was confirmed in our documents as the Episcopal Church mm-hmm. um, was something really special. So I guess research was just one part of it. And then prayer is essential for me. Um, there's another part of our our belief system as Episcopalians, and it's a Latin phrase, I believe, that's called lex orendi, lex credendi. The law of prayer informs the law of belief. Mm. So what we pray ultimately shapes the doctrine of the church, our teachings. Mm. And what I pray oftentimes is for the Holy Spirit to pierce my mind, my lips, my heart in the way that the people need to hear, Mm -hmm. Um, the way that they can feel one millionth of an inch closer to God and reconciled and healed and whole. Um, And that I recognize that it's not just my words. It's the Holy Spirit moving within me to deliver those words. Um, so we work in concert together. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not one or the other. It's it's both. And then the message that I wanted, or what message did I feel the Holy Spirit was moving me to write and say, if I had to boil it down to one thing, it's that grace is not limited. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus came for all. Mm-hmm. And... Because the Episcopal Church has a stance on um, provenient grace being part of our doctrine, we get this kind of foretaste of God's full grace before we even ask for it. Mm -hmm. And when we turn and say, I love you back to God, we get the full meal. And it's the most beautiful full meal that we get to experience um, and then it continues uh, to nourish us for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. and what a gift that is. Absolutely. And honestly, um, I just want to say how much I admire anytime you feel like there's someone left out in the room, it's not going to be for long because you're going to find an answer <laughs> on how you can include them. And uh, it isn't in a, in a, yeah, your included way, you know, it's not just words, it's actions behind it. It is full heartedly, you know, you put everything in it. And I just want to say that I admire and appreciate that 
uh, about you. And uh, thank you for everything that you've taught me so far in this journey, because I feel like going into this like five months ago, um, I could have had these thoughts about even discernment, you know, but I couldn't have put them into words the way that I feel like God helped me with you as well, you know, and uh, helped me understand how much more I could love myself, you know. Uh, and I just wanted to say that because I feel like that that is what it is to have a relationship with God, to, to, to love individuals so much that they can't help but love themselves even more, you know, just for who they are uniquely, uh, not for who, what, who the world wants them to be or what they fall under, but just who they are. So thank you, Claire. That means a great deal. Well, friends, we hope that this has been helpful to you, um, that it encourages you to walk the way of love, um, to live a life filled with justice and humbleness and a reverence for God, to speak to the truth of the beauty of what God has done and continues to do today and every day. So walk in love, always. Anything else? Just, um, again, if, if there's something you take out of this is you are loved by two strangers. And no matter where you're at in the world, you will always be loved by us. And uh, you are perfect just the way you are. And keep keep being yourself no matter how many people, like I'm saying, the whole world tells you you are in the wrong. Follow your heart. Know that you are beautiful. You are made in God's image. And just be you. Love yourself and others. Amen. Amen. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about all things Episcopal, visit campusministry.dioestmo.org backslash all things Episcopal. All Things Episcopal podcast is a production of the Diocese of West Missouri in association with Resonant Media. The Lord be with you all.